Welcome to the My Beyond Life podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip, enable, and empower today's Christian woman to live a life beyond the lies, the limits, and the labels that Satan so often places on us or all around us. In today's lesson, we will continue our series on Real Talk about Raw Emotions. Now, we've been talking about when we first started way back, when we first started talking about these lessons on hurt. Y'all remember I came up here and had a wheelchair and I had crutches and I had a brace. Y'all remember that? And we talked about different levels of hurt. Now, we've been talking about hurt lessons that could have gone over any kind of level of hurt. It could have been the wheelchair type of hurts. It could have been riding in the back of an ambulance type of hurt. It could be a a crutches or braces. But tonight is going to be where the rubber meets the road on those kind of hurts that deal with those braces and that deal with the crutches. We're not talking devastating over in the corner in the embryonic position, sucking your thumb, you can't function kind of hurts. We are talking the nitty gritty dealing with people day in, day out. Got any kind of family hurts? You know what I'm talking about? People. It's dealing with people, with personalities, with people at work, with people at home, trying to take care of your parents, dealing with your siblings, whatever it is. This is the kind of lesson we're talking about tonight. This is the kind of lesson. Go ahead and nod your head. Every one of us need. Okay, because we deal with people and we deal with family and we deal with friends and we deal with coworkers. So that's the kind of level. So when I'm talking about things that's going to help us, I don't want you to think, well, Miss Amy, my hurt is so huge. I'm talking the, the manageable hurts that drive us crazy throughout the day. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about first. Now, when we talk about hurts, we need to make sure that we understand the difference between reaction when someone hurts us and responding when someone hurts us. Huge difference. Reaction versus response. So someone has hurt you. Someone has offended you. Someone has done you wrong. Now what? Okay, here's the now what. If it's a reaction, there's little to no thought in it. Hence, we have the term knee-jerk reaction. Okay, you don't even have to think about it. That word just came out of your mouth. You don't even have to think about it. That facial expression just went across your face. You couldn't even think about it. That eye roll just happened. Sometimes I'll look at people and go, I'm sorry, did, did I eye roll too loud? Did you hear that? I'm sorry. Yeah, sometimes it just happens. You don't even have to think. Okay? That's that knee-jerk reaction. It is emotion-driven. It is often regretted. And it is riddled with sin opportunities. Okay? You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. And it's never harder to stay right than when you have been done wrong. You can be as innocent as a little lamb and be as sinful as the devil himself in 30 seconds after you've been done wrong. So this is important. So what is a response? How is a response different from a reaction? 
A response is thoughtful, careful, prayerful, respectful, and hit your knees so you don't be a jerk. Okay? It is a hit your knees so you don't be a jerk. Now, that person might have been a jerk to you, but do you have to be a jerk back? No, 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 you don't. Okay, so this is important. We need to pay attention. We need to be journaling. God, help me respond and not react. And if we'll know the difference, that's half the battle in being different. Now, so what do we need to do? There are some questions we need to ask ourselves before we act or speak. Okay, so we've been hurt, we've been offended, we've been done wrong, we've been slighted in some way. So what do I do? First of all, what was my part in this situation? How did I contribute to this mess? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, and you may not agree with me, very rarely are we 100% innocent. Very rarely are we not at any fault at all. Okay? My name is not Jesus, and I'm not perfect. And there are times I contribute to a misunderstanding. I contribute to a lack of communication. I contribute to that person doing this or saying that. So we've got to realize we are not 100% innocent all of the time. Now remember, I'm not talking devastating hurts. I'm not talking that uncle that did things to you when you were little. I'm not talking the husband that walked out for another woman. This is not the kind of hurt I'm talking about. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the braces and the crutches in life. I'm talking about the slights and the wrongs and the being left out and the little barbs and the little zings on Facebook and that kind of stuff. This is what I'm talking about. So we have to ask ourselves, did I contribute? It was interesting. This uh, marriage counselors were doing this, this uh, study on husbands and wives and arguments. And so these couples had signed up to be a part of this study so that their arguments would be recorded. And then they would be studied afterwards and they would come in and they would, they would debrief after the counselors had watched the recorded arguments. First of all, I would love to sign up to be that counselor. I would like to have hours and hours on end of enter entertainment. But anyhow, what they noticed was that 90%, now listen, 90% of the time, people remembered wrong. 90% of the time. They remembered what they said or what they did wrong. They would go to the counselor, the counselor would be like, why are you mad? And they well, I did this and I said that, and then they did this and they said that, and they said, oh, hold on, rewind. And 90% of the time, they were shocked. I really thought I said that. I really thought I was clear with that. I really thought they said this. I really thought they did that, and they didn't. So if this is true in marriage, it's probably true in just about every other relationship, too and we're remembering wrong. And then, not only do we remember wrong, we replay it wrong. Because we love to hit rewind and play, don't we, girls? 
Oh, we have that conversation in our mind about 16 other times before anything's ever said and done. We chew it to death like a dog with a bone. We replay it, we rehash it, we rehearse it, and then we disperse it. And we think about it. But every time we remember it wrong, it's getting deeper and deeper ingrained in our head, and we're making choices based off of faulty information. And we go around totally wrecking uh, relationships, doing a lot of damage like a bull in a china shop when we really remembered it wrong. So this is where a lot of self-evaluation comes in. Is there anything I need to apologize for? Ask yourself this, am I remembering this right? Am I remembering this right? Did I really say that or did I just think I said that? Did I really, was I really clear on that or was I thinking I was clear on that and assuming that they understood what I meant? So you got to ask ourselves some soul searching questions here. How about this one? How can I make sure to give a soft answer so that I can turn away wrath? We know that's commanded in scripture. We know it. But it sure is hard in the heat of the moment. It sure is hard when our feelings are the ones that are hurt. So what can I do? What can I say? How can I make sure to give a soft answer? Girls, these are journals. These are journal entries right here. Jot these questions down. Keep them on a piece of paper. And then when a conflict arises, pull them out and journal these. Huge, huge tool here. How can I show kindness and not resentment even when they don't deserve it? We get hung up on that word deserve, don't we? We get hung up on that word fair. Well, they don't deserve that. That's not fair. That's not a hill to die on. That's where a lot of relationships have died, is on the word fair and on the word deserve. What else can we ask ourselves? How can I extend grace to them in the same way God does to me? Every single day we receive grace. Every single day we receive new mercies. Every single day God extends unfailing compassions. So here's my question. We're not supposed to keep receiving them, receiving them, receiving them, receiving them, and never giving them. We are designed by God to be a funnel through which these things flow to our people. New mercies, unfailing compassions, and great faithfulness. That's what our family needs to wake up to every day from us. Every day. That's what our people, those difficult people, need to wake up to every single day. Because we wake up to them from the Father. We can turn and then say, Father, can you please give me what I need so that I can turn around and give that to them. Very, very, very helpful there. If I knew this conversation was going to be recorded for quality assurance, how would I proceed? <laughs> Y'all ever been on the other end of that little little thing? Uh, this, this conversation may be, may be uh, uh, recorded for quality assurance. If you're getting ready to say something, ask yourself, if this was going to be recorded, what would I say? Or what would I not say? How would I proceed or how would I not proceed? If this conversation or this reaction were going to replay it on the screens on Sunday morning for everyone to see, how would I proceed? Silly little questions like that will make you stop. 
Because girls, I'm going to tell you right now, they are being recorded. You know there's a verse in Scripture that says every idle word we will give an account for? Every idle word we will answer to God for. That's sobering. It is being recorded. And it is being replayed up in heaven. And he is being subject to what you're saying. So let's think before we react. Let's think. Let's ask ourselves these questions before we proceed. Then here's a big one. Have I prayed for this person before I have this conversation? This is big. You are not going to proceed wrong. You are not going to be hurtful. You're not going to be ugly. You're not going to be destructive to a person you are lifting up in prayer. It's impossible to hate and pray for the same person. It really is. For you to pray for that person, you have to get through all that hate and that anger and that aggravation. And it might be through gritted teeth that you're asking God to bless them. And you're asking God to heal them and help them and grow them and, and help them to become what they need to become. But if you are praying for that person in such a way, you are then able to treat them accordingly. But I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of times we're not praying for someone, we're praying against them. Get them, God. Get them, God. I know. I've prayed those same prayers. I know. But it's when we actually ask God to bless that person, heal that person, help that person, we are then able to turn and bless them and not be cursed by our anger. And that's really important if we're going to want to get to the other side of this and we're going to want to grow. Moments, each and every horrible reaction, each and every action that has happened through the eons of time all started out as a moment. Every horrible criminal act, every terrible betrayal, Every decision that was ever made that hurt another person all started out as one moment in time. Moments are kind of like acorns, much like a giant oak tree that begins as a single acorn that drops to the ground. Plop, there's the acorn. And if it's allowed to remain on fertile soil, it will take root, it will sprout, and then it will grow. But what it will not do is stay the same. Sarah and I love to go walking in the mornings, and we walk every morning we can unless it's stupid cold like it was this week or raining. We are out there every morning walking. And there's this one little area where we walk that goes downhill. And there's a, an, a, an oak tree right over it, so all these tiny little acorns fall. And we absolutely love to walk on the acorns and hear the crunch. It's very satisfying until you're on a downward slope. And then when you're on that downward slope and you're walking on those acorns, it becomes life-threatening. 
because you are going to go slip sliding away and about kill yourself. So we have to take precautionary measures in the fall when we're walking up underneath those trees or we're going to get ourselves killed. But those acorns that drop on that asphalt will not become an oak tree. Why? Because they've landed on material that is not conducive for it to grow. Seeds have needs. And that fertile soil is a need. And that acorn will never turn into an oak tree because the need for that fertile soil is not being met. So now here's my question. A hurt happens, okay? This hurt happens and it plops right down into your world. What kind of ground does that hurt land on? Is it fertile soil to grow into bitterness? Does it find exactly everything it needs to thrive? in hate, revenge, bitterness, rage, gossip, spreading it all around, venting it out on Facebook, whatever it is, what does it find? What kind of soil is it finding in your heart? Because if we wanna keep it from sprouting and growing, we need to be careful what kind of soil it lands on. See, we can't control people's behavior, but we can control ours. I can't control what that person does to hurt me, but I can control what I do after that. I do have that kind of control because you know as well as I do, the root of bitterness does not stay small. It grows like kudzu and it covers everything. It devours everything. It's destructive and it grows really, really fast. And before long, you're going to be covered up into it and you're not going to even realize what happened because it happened so quickly. Now, when this hurtful event happens, plop, there's your acorn. What happens next is completely up to us. What are we going to do with our moment? There it is. I mean, it's right there. I don't deny it. Nobody else is denying it. Right there it is. What am I gonna do with it? And then you're gonna find out that there's some times there's days and there's people when you keep dealing with those people and your day's gonna look like that. And there's gonna be a whole lot of hurtful moments. And there's gonna be a whole lot of these acorns all over you and you're gonna find that you're having a hard time walking. You're having a hard time navigating your next step because it is fraught with these moments. There was a fella in scripture that had a day like this by the name of Joseph. Now his brothers had some issues with him. And I'm gonna be honest, they had legitimate issues. Daddy played favorites. And daddy shouldn't have played favorites. Doesn't sit well when our parents play favorites, does it? That's hard. That's hard. And it was very obvious who daddy loved the most. But you know what's interesting? His daddy played favorites. You see, hurt people hurt people. 
that person who hurt you has been hurt. That person that's continually throwing those acorns your way have had their fair share thrown at them. Hurt people hurt people. And the cycle continues. And the cycle continues until someone finally stands up and says, no more. I want to be healed. I want to be okay. I want to grow from this so that I don't continue to do this. So all of these were all over the place for him. These brothers saw this situation with their brother and all of this hate started happening. It wasn't full-blown hate at first. At first it was resentment. Then it was anger and it was left unchecked and it found fertile soil and pretty soon it became hate. And we read this in Genesis 37, 17 through 18. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay, to slay them. And they said one to another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. All right. So we see them here conspiring. How do you get to a place where you come up with a plot to murder your brother? I mean, that's, that didn't happen overnight. This was years of resentment and hate left unchecked. And so I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of thoughts and conversations that transpired before they conspired. They never thought they would ever do this. They didn't have goals in their life one day to kill their brother. That's not what they wanted to grow up and be. But all of those unchecked thoughts and all of those unchecked conversations, and you can better believe there was a bunch of them, led to their conspiring against their brother. Well, we know what happened in Joseph's stories. We know that there was a pit. We know that there, there was then Potiphar's house. We know that there was then a prison. We know that finally there was the palace. And then all of a sudden, Joseph, gets an opportunity to get even. His brothers show up in need. His brothers show up, they're going to starve to death. His brothers show up, and what does Joseph do? He provides for them and eventually forgives them. How did he do that with his moment? I mean, you got to realize that moment when he heard their voices, it was like a sucker punch. And he was taken right back to the bottom of that pit. He was a powerful man, second in command in the palace. And all he had to do was hear their voices. Have you ever had that happen? You thought you were like, you know, way past something. And all of a sudden you saw someone or you heard something or something. You heard something. You smelled a smell. Sometimes you can see a sight and it takes you right back to that moment of hurt. So they're, they're right there. They come walking in, and he has what I call a defining moment. We all have moments, just like these acorns spread all over the floor here. We all have moments. But sometimes we have a defining moment. And that defining moment changes the course of the rest of your life. How did he get to that forgiveness, offering grace like he did? 
he had a bunch of refining moments that led to his defining moment. So many times, I think we try to rush to get to the defining moment, but we haven't invested in the refining moments. That refining is that going through the fire, that, that purifying, that cleansing, that growing, that deepening. And he had all of these refining moments along the hard spots on his journey. In the bottom of the pit, there was refining moments. In the, in the prison, in Potiphar's house, a bunch of refining moments. And all of those moments that led up to this defining moment, Joseph chose right. He chose to forgive. He chose to let go. He chose to grow. He chose to trust the Lord. He chose to do the next right thing, not hide behind the wrong thing that was done to him. I think I need to say that one again. He chose to do the next right thing and not hide behind the wrong thing that was done to him. It wasn't his excuse, his badge, his hall pass to do wrong. How many of us know someone who's been done wrong and they're waving it like a hall pass for their wrong they're now doing? It's not my fault, but it's too hard. But they did this. They started it. Y'all know the little kid that does that? They started it. All of these refining moments led to this defining moment being a success. What are those refining moments? Those are all the moments that you invest in your relationship with God, in choosing to, to cooperate with Him in choosing to do the hard stuff along the way, the journaling, the reading, the, the growing, the becoming. You invested tonight because you're here. You didn't have to be, but you did. This is a refining moment. In a few minutes when you meet with your group and you share and you open up and you pray and you talk to one another and you share this week verses that God has helped, those are refining moments. All along the way, they're paving your way to your defining moment. But please don't expect to have a wonderful defining moment if you've not put in the time in the refining moments where you've chosen to do the next right thing faithfully, selflessly, sacrificially. Refining moments make all the difference. Joseph lived out Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, let, now notice let. You're going to have to let God do this work in you. This is something you're going to have to give permission to happen. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I want you to picture moving boxes cluttering up your living room. They're labeled bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. They're stacked all over your living room. You can't even walk from one end to the other end without having to move them out of your way. You know, and I know, that is no way to live. There is no way to live. So how do you deal with it? How do you work through while you walk through? Remember, that's our goal. Work through while you walk through. How do you do it? 
you take one box at a time and you unpack it. And you take a look at all of its contents and you decide whether to keep it or whether to let it go. And if you decide to keep it, you decide where you need to put it. And then pretty soon, one box at a time, you're creating a living space that's worth living in. But you had to unpack it. Not stuff it, not stick it under your bed, not push it in the closet and shove the door closed and hope nobody opens it. Because then it's still in your space. It just isn't seen by everybody, but it's there. And woe be into the person who opens it. Because they're going to be dealing with it because it's going to be all over them. These are the refining moments. Okay, it's time to unpack this box. Where do you do that? In the safe pages of a journal? In a prayer closet? Maybe talking to a counselor? Talking to your life group? Having coffee with your life group leader? Talking to a friend? Unpacking those boxes going to set you up for those defining moments. Listen to this. The decision to take care of all your boxes and put all that stuff where it needs to go is made in a moment, but then it's carried out in a million and one moments after that. Just like if I'm going to decide to clean up all those boxes, I'm going to decide at one time, and then I'm going to decide it a million times after that. With all of my actions, leading in those refining moments to the defining moment in the end. So we're going to leave with this question today. What are you going to do with your moment? We've all got them. Some of our lives, it's just one or two. Some of them look like this mess up here. What are you going to do with those moments? Because they're all going to be in our lives. And if we want that defining moment, then we need to put in that elbow grease in those refining moments and invest in what we need to invest in.